hey, as we journey together to discover God's kingdom, to experience the power and presence of the living God, one of the things we want to do as a community is resource us in the journey of discipleship. Discipleship is a wonderful word where we align our lives and we attach ourselves to Jesus and we learn how to live our life as though Jesus were living it. And we want to resource that. And I want to speak to one specific resource. We have a free resource for you through Right Now Media. It's got Bible studies. It's got messages, conferences. I'm going to spotlight a Right Now Media resource for us because it's Black History Month. And we understand the kingdom of God is beautifully diverse. And that the picture of heaven in Revelation is this. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation declaring the glory of God. So think about this for just a second. Just imagine heaven, okay? You're in your heavenly body in like the heavenly realms and experience. New heaven, new earth. Okay, put yourself there. What do you picture? Do, we, do you have wings? Are we glowing? No, like, I mean, there's all these wonderful illustrations that maybe you've heard if you've been around church. You've imagined pictures and movies and all these different things. Check this out. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation worshiping God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? Our heavenly bodies, what will be distinguishable in and through the community that Christ has saved and welcomed into his family? Our ethnicity, our race, it is going to be declaring the beauty of God in heaven. That's powerful. That's amazing. So part of our discipleship journey is learning how to see the work of God in and through our stories and in and through our heritage because God says that he made man and woman in his image and in his likeness. And so we want to discover the beauty of God in and through us. We want to see that because that's how we learn how to see with a heavenly view. And so we want to help disciple our community and grow as a community who understand the beauty of God's kingdom and how we live as kingdom ambassadors here and now. And so on Right Now Media, one of the studies we're spotlighting this month is a study by Tony Evans called Oneness Embrace. And he shares from a kingdom heart that we would understand the work of God bringing this incredible oneness in the body of Christ and how we have a timely message and hope to share with the world. And so if you've not gotten the Right Now Media app, you can just text right now, one first word, second word, Pearland VC to 41411. And then there's a library listing. Just click on the Vineyard Church Library. That's where we're kind of vetting and pooling and highlighting specific resources. You can check that resource from Tony Evans out. They're like 13-minute video teachings, and there's like six of them in this study. They're great. You can just take them with you wherever you go. Because we want to understand our stories and our history because we believe that God is at work redeeming and doing an incredible work of reconciliation and redemption. This is the trajectory of God's kingdom that we're invited to be a part of here and now. And we get to reflect the beauty of, of heaven here on earth through the diversity of our multi-ethnic community and city that we live in. And I think this is deeply connected to what Alan shared last week. Love received, love given. A compelling encouragement as we've looked at 2 Peter 1 
And we discover this progression of growth that in the kingdom of God, we are not just invited in and left as we are. We're not just called in to follow Jesus and there's no change or transformation. But it says that the power of God has given us everything we need for a godly life so that we can participate in the divine nature of God. Your life in the story of God is meant to be more divine and more heavenly. That sounds like good news. And you're brought into the family of God where you're receiving love from God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then you're being crazy generous with it. To people who deserve it? Yes. How about to people that you think don't? Yes. Even there, the kingdom of God tells a better story than what I want to tell in my own strength and power. Jesus says, love your enemy. Love the people that your culture tells you to hate. Love with the radical love of King Jesus on a cross. Love with the radical, powerful love of an empty tomb. Love received is love given, and we do not set the boundary on that love because Jesus came for us and for all, and we get to get in on that story. And Alan point to the Gospels where the Father, God the Father, speaks very clearly, this is my son Jesus, listen to him. We want to be a community that listens to Jesus. That we would be growing to this place of mutual affection and love. That these are the fruitful outworkings of all these other qualities. Perseverance, godliness, these incredible places of faith received. I just want you to know this. Here's, here's what I've been realizing as we've read Second Peter. Holy moly, I need help. And there is so much more for you than what you're currently experiencing. And you're like, well, that feels judgmental, Kurt. I didn't think we were supposed to judge others. Well, I'm not supposed to judge you for how, like, poor you are and how, like, broken you are. I'm saying God has more for us. I'm actually judging the upside. I'm calling us into way more of God's kingdom because we have not yet finished receiving all that God wants to do in us and through us. I need more transformation than I think. Can I get an amen? Amen. I need more. And here's what I wanted you to kind of anchor to as I kind of move us into this last conversation. Maturity in faith, because, you know, Peter is writing to followers of Jesus. He's writing to the church. This is an expectation of followers of Jesus. Maturity in faith causes me to desire more than what I currently have. See, maturity in faith doesn't puff up and go, I've got it figured out. I'm so spiritually mature. Maturity in faith says, Lord, thank you for all that you've done. In humility, I need more of what you have. Less of me, more of you. Mature faith fosters humility of heart. See, if we want our lives to be fruitful, we have to be faithful. And this is how we're going to wrap up this series, Divine. If we want our lives to be fruitful, we have to be faithful. And the primary work of the Spirit in followers of Jesus is that we are following Jesus. 
which means I have to have the humility that Jesus can always redirect me. Jesus can always call me forward. Jesus can say stop. Jesus can say go by the work of the Holy Spirit in me, the promise of God, which means spiritual maturity fosters humility of heart. Is that good news? <laughs> it might feel a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> like, ugh. You're going to have to be more humble than I already am? Yes. Let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to read scripture. We need God's word to lead us in this direction, not Kurt's word. Here we go. 2 Peter 1, starting in verse 3. Y'all read this first part with me. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you and I may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. The tension is named. The kingdom collision is present in the text. For this very reason, here we go, for the, t the reason that there's a collision of kingdoms, for the reason there's tension, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort, make some effort, make apathetic effort, Make occasional effort, okay, sorry, y'all got, okay. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So good. As I'm reading it out loud again, this is like, you know, week five, we've been in this. I just think like one of those qualities I could spend all my life trying to figure out. And I'm called to all the qualities. And I want to remind us before we go any further, it starts, his divine power has given us everything we need. Right now, stop trying to figure this out in your own strength and power. Surrender to the power of the living God and begin to receive this for your life have a tangible expression of the work of God in our lives so that we are good news wherever we go. God's heart for you is not just this intellectual experience where you have some faith and it doesn't affect your life, but that you possess the fullness of his kingdom, the reality of his power, and his promises. Is that how you're living? Possess the things of God. Possess his character and his likeness. Take hold of it. God wants to do a work in you. And as he does the work in you, guess what will come out of you? The good news of the kingdom. And that means God will be working through you. 
so that we multiply the kingdom when we leave this place and we're spending time with all the people in our life that we love and that we don't love, that we work with, that we hang out with. Think about all the people that you will see this next week on Zoom. I'm sorry. It's just true. Think about all the people you could text, call, pray for. As we possess qualities of God's kingdom, they come into us, we embody them the way Jesus did, and we are hope to the world around us. That is how we participate in the divine nature of God. We receive the nature of God. This impacts friendship. This impacts committed relationships and parenting. And this impacts kids at school. College campuses are changed because of this reality. Nations and cities and neighborhoods are changed because of this reality. God's heart is that you would possess the things of the kingdom and they would begin to just slowly work all the way through so those evil desires that corrupt the world are no longer corrupting your world. That the kingdom of darkness is not coming in and lying to you and beating you up and tearing you down, but it's the kingdom of light doing the incredible work of faith and perseverance, godliness and self-control, mutual affection and love that you would just like spontaneously love people well because you've possessed it so deeply in your life. But it's so challenging because it's about possess these qualities in increasing measure. God has more for us. You know, so much of our culture is um, described as up and to the right. Returns on investment, make more, like you want stock market gains and increase. And what's interesting here is so much of the increase is about my kingdom. But what we're talking about here is that if you possess the things of God's kingdom in increasing measure, it's not by your effort or strength that you're you're actually experiencing humility and surrender. And as you have humility and surrender, which is down and into the dirt, when you possess these in increasing measure because you sit before the Lord in humility and say, give me more of who you are, your glory and your goodness, it is contrary to the way of the world, which is seeking power and trying to take what they want to see increased you are allowing your life to increase the things of God's kingdom. It is completely counter-cultural. Striving ceases. Ambition gives way to humble surrender. And here's the cool thing. When we cultivate hunger in our heart for God's kingdom, seek first the kingdom of God. And humility in our lives that says, God, thank you for everything you've given me. Will you not only give me more, but will you give me people to share it with? Then it increases its measure because it's not being contained by you alone, but it's going out and it's being multiplied. And you are doing it with kindness and gentleness and perseverance because you see people 
through the heart of humility that is in Jesus who laid his life down for you. And we see this increasing measure and we begin to say, Holy Spirit, come, do more. Like as we're worshiping today, I'm aware of God's presence in this place. And maybe you were too, or maybe you're going, I felt something. I didn't know what that was. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the power and presence of God meeting you so that you can say, more, Lord. More, Lord. In Michael Green's commentary on this text, he says this. Lack of spiritual growth is a sign of spiritual death. I'm unbutton that top button. Oh, lack of spiritual growth is a sign of spiritual death. Humility says, God, I want more of you. I've not figured it all out yet. I've not attained it all. I am not God. You are. Increase your kingdom in my life. Increase your authority in my life. Increase your word in my life. Increase intercession in my life that I would pray for people you love the way you pray for them. Increasing measure. Look at this next picture. It's just a little guy. Anybody ever been in awe of the size of like a forest and trees? This is a forest in the making. Don't stop growing. Don't stop. Increasing measure. God has more for you. And what I love about the tree is the tree's not like working hard, like, oh, gotta get taller. Oh, I need more needles. Like, the tree is rooted in the soil of its maker. And it receives, and the roots go deeper, and it receives, and the roots go deeper, and it just increases its measure, and it increases its measure because it rests in the soil of its maker. Can we say the same about our lives? His divine power is giving you everything that you need for a godly life. It's giving you everything you need for that board meeting this week. It's giving you everything you need to make it through this project that you're on. It's giving you everything you need for those late nights with your teenagers. It's giving you everything you need for those moments that you're at a loss of what to do with your toddler. It's giving you everything you need to forgive again. These qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. In your knowledge, it's in your relationship with God. This isn't just the fact check sheet. This is in knowing Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? I'm just making sure we're still, I'm, this is, I'm preaching to myself today. The fruitful life is a faithful life. You will be effective. You will be productive. It says, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting what God has done for them. Here's the thing. We have to remember, and we need to remember often. This is why journaling is a good practice. I found an old journal yesterday. I found an old journal yesterday, and it was my first ever journal entry about my wife-to-be.
don't forget what God's done in your life. Don't forget the faithfulness of God because if he's been faithful once, he'll be faithful again. See, the faithfulness of God calls us to remember, God, you were there. I know it was you. I know it was you. We need to remember God, this is what the people of the Old Testament did really well. The people of God regularly remembered. And then here's what happens. If you read the Old Testament, they forgot. And they went over here and they did their own thing and they built idols. And God would redeem them again and he'd restore them again by his faithfulness. And they'd remember, oh yeah, you, you, you absolutely led us out of Egypt. <laughs> that was you in the wilderness all those years. Man, we forget too often. We have to remember and receive every day. Every day. Remember and receive every day. If you're trying to figure out how to do this, I'm going to tell you a real simple trick. One journal is good because you can go back and read. The YouVersion Bible app gives you a verse of the day. Today, guess what the verse of the day is? His power is made perfect in our weakness receive remember that we're weak and receive from the divine power of God therefore my brothers and sisters make every effort to confirm your calling and election for if you do these things you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ here's what's amazing this work of God the qualities of God are the quality of his kingdom there is a home and there is a source for all that God is talking about here in Scripture. And it is available to all of you and every person you know. We would say, Lord, let your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Okay? You're being invited into a family of God that you have people to walk with, so it's not a solo endeavor. It is us walking together, encouraging us together. And it's a rich welcome into his eternal kingdom. Okay? Here's what I need you to understand about this moment. He's writing in a real cultural context. Peter's writing to followers of Jesus, the church, in a real cultural moment. And there is a political power that is not the kingdom of God in power. So I'm going to see if I can make sense of this verbally the way it does on my notes, okay? So just bear with me. Peter is proclaiming the story that Jesus told. The primary message of Jesus is the kingdom of God. And Peter is very clear. There is an eternal kingdom. And then there are all these temporal kingdoms that are trying to get your attention. In his day and age, Rome was the temporal power. The temporary kingdom of their day was Rome. And there were teachers giving false teaching at this time. And there were these narratives in their culture that were coming against what God would have said. And he's rooting them and anchoring them again in the kingdom of God. And in Michael Green's commentary, he says this. Peter has three things to say about the kingdom of God. And this is actually something really central to us as a vineyard church. The already and the not yet of God's kingdom. Jesus came and broke in and revealed God's heart and trajectory for the world. This is good news. And it's not fully done. It's not fully yet. There are still other kingdoms waging war. There's still the kingdom of darkness that's in this spiritual battle, okay? 
Here's what the commentary says. First, we need to understand the kingdom of God is eternal. It is the only eternal kingdom, and it is the one we should live our lives anchored to above all other kingdoms. That is to say, it belongs to what Jewish thought had named the age to come, particularly during times of difficulty and persecution in the last few centuries. Men of faith had increasingly become disillusioned with this age. Anybody disillusioned with this age? Same thing back then in the writing of this text. The New Testament conviction is consistently this, that in the person of Jesus Christ, the age to come has invaded this age. This is good news. The last things have been inaugurated, though, of course, we await completion. It is of this consummation in the eternal kingdom that Peter speaks Here's the tension we live in. There is a hope for heaven. It's not fully here yet, but Jesus came onto the scene and said, set your eyes on my eternal kingdom. Live now in my eternal kingdom and be a part of bringing more of that here to earth. He goes on to say, Peter retains in his own characteristic way the New Testament tension between what we have and what we still lack. If you ever feel like your life is not perfect, it's because we still lack the fullness of heaven and the fullness of God's work in our life. So what do we do? We ask for more, increasing measure. Point three from Michael Green's work. This kingdom is characterized as belonging to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the qualitative, qualitative definition of the kingdom. It is his. So we have a choice to make. Do we live in his kingdom? God, you are king, your authority. I've surrendered and submitted my life to do what you say and to live like you want me to live and to possess the qualities of your kingdom. Or do I come over here and build a kingdom set for me? My strength, my power. Satan and the kingdom of darkness is deceiving, and this is the work. There's always a better kingdom for you than the kingdom of God. There's, come, come worship this idol. Come explore your power and your strength. Come give your allegiance to this group over here because they're the ones in control. Time and time and time again, what do kingdoms do? They rise except for one. And it is the rich welcome of the eternal kingdom that the New Testament church anchored themselves in because of King Jesus. There is a tension in the already and the not yet. Peter talks about it. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life, but there are evil desires that are corrupting the world when we live outside of God's kingdom. But there is a rich welcome for you when you say, God, I'm yours. You created me. You know me. Teach me how to follow you. Teach me how to live in light of your promises and your power so that I might possess the things of your kingdom in increasing measure, that I might become spiritually mature, which would be humbly surrendered for all that you will do by your strength and power. Let me be a little tree that joins the forest of other little trees that become huge trees in the forest of your kingdom. So here's a closing question for you. I told you the music was going to get me pumped up. Just you were warned. Do you want more for your life than you can provide in your own strength, power, and nature? 
Do you want more for your life than you're providing on your own? And I think as I ask that question, some of us right now, you are resisting that that is actually the truest thing when you're honest about your own life. When you get honest about what's real for you, you feel the reality of it is not enough, I am not enough, I don't have enough strength or power, I actually feel weak, I feel insecure, I feel unashamed. Nobody knows it, but I do. You are right in the place to receive what God wants to do in your life. In my own personal time with Jesus, I've been working through a reading plan by Nikki Gumbel, who's out of the UK and the founder of Alpha, and the, this particular devotional grabbed me because the title of it was Destiny Defining Decisions. God loves you so much, he will let you choose. God lets you, like, loves you enough that he'll let you have what you want. Jesus would regularly ask people, like, what do you want me to do for you? God is gracious and compassionate. And this destiny-defining decision is, will I decide to let Jesus have all of my life? Will I come to the reality of I actually want more than I can provide for myself, and I'm going to begin to put my life anchored into the power and the promises and the presence of the living God. Fruitfulness flows from humble dependence on God. That is the destiny-defining decision we all need to make. On whom do we depend? And if it's self, you will always be limited by your capacity. If it is an eternal God, you, my friends are being welcomed into an eternal family with the one who speaks things into being, the one who creates by his word and is, gives you life by his word. And Jesus says we don't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Faith received leads to faith eternal where we live in relationship with God. This is the full circle of Second Peter. He blesses the faith that they had received and he brings them all the way back full circle to relationship with God that you would know Jesus and you would live in his eternal kingdom because you have relationship with God. You want relationship with God for all your days. But it's all about humility. Again, last week, the voice of God the Father says, this is my son, listen to him. And I think my question for us church is, will we be a community who are described and defined as people with humble hearts? With humble hearts. See, a soft heart is very different than a hard heart. Soft hearts listen to Jesus. Hard hearts go, I've got it. Soft hearts are pliable and they're willing to mature and grow and they realize like, oh, that part of me needs to soften up and then it'll soften up some more to the things of the kingdom. Hard hearts are stiff and closed and do their own thing their own way. Soft hearts are available and hard hearts are unavailable. And this is the invitation of ministry time today. The sin of Israel, the people of God in the Old Testament was hard hearts. It's hard hearts. 
Jesus regularly called them on their hard-heartedness. Read Deuteronomy 8. Joel 2, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Get soft in my presence. Rend your heart and not your garments. It doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. God doesn't care about that. He knows what is in the depths of our soul, and he says, bring that to me. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love.